You guys see that? It was blessing Beautiful. going on adventures. As I love it. At Jones. You love to see it. What's up? I'm Tim Geddes. Joining me as always is Greg Miller. Smackers, smackers everywhere. <laughs> Nick Scarpino sucks. Okay. We, we right, do have, we yep, we have Nick Scarpino. <laughs> What's a smacker? <laughs> money. It's money. money. It's like oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I want to right. stop Spread calling currency. dollars dollars and call them smackers, smackers, you know? Where right. do you put the smackers in? Smackaroos. Smackaroos. Where do I put the dollars? I put them in my coffers. My coffers. Your coffers. God damn. God damn. damn. Andy Cortez, save us somehow. I I can't. I'm sorry. It's beyond. Yeah. Yeah. That is beyond you. But the one man it is not beyond is Blessing out of OEA Jr. Making his first appearance on Kind of Funny in review. A rare appearance on Kind of Funny Prime content. Yeah. I love it. Nice to be here. I'm very excited for this. It's going to be good. We we had you for a very special reason. Of course, this is Indiana Jones in review, where we're going to rank and review all of the Indiana Jones movies. Uh, the reason we're doing this is there is a new Indiana Jones movie coming out, but that's not until, what, 2022, 2023 with the pandemic? Who actually knows? But it's going to happen at some point. But they announced that Bethesda are making machine games, are making an Indiana Jones video game. A lot of excitement about that. And in that excitement, it was revealed that Blessing has never seen the Indiana Jones movies. I have also never seen the Indiana Jones movies. Crazy. You guys have seen all the movies? Mm-hmm. Nope. And have you seen any of them, Andy? Um, similar to a lot of the other 80s movies we've done here on In Review, my dad watched them. I was in the room. I absorbed a lot of the information and quotes and moments, but I couldn't tell you what happens you know, sequentially in these movies at all. I'm right there with you. And then, Greg, you and Nick both have watched all of them. Yeah, Indiana Jones was never my favorite thing by any stretch of the imagination. So, like, I went into this and I'm like, okay, I know them. I've seen them. I I saw the last one, Crystal Skull, the best one, in theaters with IGN back in the day or whatever. (laughs) It's terrible. It's awful. Uh, But, like, I know all the movies. Temple of Doom used to be one of those movies that you, as a kid, want to watch when i'd go to my uh, aunt and uncle's house but i would get so scared by when they're in the bug tunnel and stuff which will make sense no. to you next week i guess yeah but brutal. what i was surprised by watching this one was oh yeah i know this one i've seen it don't look at it marion like i know what i'm getting into right but it was that thing of watching it where it was that slow realization of like i don't think i've ever seen this theatrical cut not like broken up on tbs on a saturday afternoon nor do i think i've ever sat all the way through a viewing of it because <laughs> i knew the parts but i was like all right i didn't i don't remember this exactly and like, okay move on. well there you go this is about to be a super fun in review one of the rare times where a lot of us maybe haven't had full exposure to all of this stuff uh this is kind of funny's in review where we rank and review different film franchises currently we are doing indiana jones in review and we're also about to close out edgar wright in review uh with baby driver so that's very exciting stuff uh you can get the show ad free and watch it live just like some of our patreon producers can do james davis Graham of Legend, David Mintel, Al Tribesman, Cassandra Ramirez, Sven McHale, and the Nanobiologist. Thank all of you for all of your support in making this cool show happen. Uh, and speaking of supporting over on Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny, our platinum reward this month, Barrett, if you could please bring it up, is the Kind of Funny Valentine's Day pup print by the community member Rain. This is super awesome. I love it. You can see Lulu hanging out with the King Porty down there. We got Thomas on Cecil. I really like Thomas's Sailor Moon look. You know what I mean? Got a little, uh, little fun stuff going on there. Oh, look Boom. at that zoom. Wow. Yeah, we got, of course, the Splash Sisters, the Pugs up there, and then Moose holding fort. 
down on the on the bench ready to fuck Cecil's day up. Well, you'll love to see I, it. I do love, love how it. accurately Lulu's um proportions were you know because you see lulu's body it's like oh it's a big dog now she's just like she looks like a big dog but just she, shrunk down. she pictures like perceptively big yeah uh, i will say and then i agree but i do think it's funny because like i don't hang out with moose a lot i've like i've, I've seen moose you guys had life, that like, one time you guys he, got drunk yeah, together yeah, and yeah, ended falling out. you got yeah. a big and fight so, like, outside I, of the bar yeah and so like <laughs> i don't know if this is like usually like moose's like attitude but I, I i think it's funny because i feel like the attitude of these two dogs are switched where i, I feel like moose is a little mm-hmm. more sweet and lulu's the one who's a, a little more mischievous mischievous but that's just because i know lulu and hang out with her one more time i say that i've met moose time, like very few times and moose seems vicious when yeah, you put moose, moose is, in the right situation yeah moose is oh, a little yeah. fuck he's, he's a little a fuck for sure i love him uh but anyways you can get this print patreon.com slash kind of funny it's super awesome i love it can't wait to hang it somewhere uh but Greg Miller, you had your hand raised for a while. What's up? No, don't worry about it. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's gone. Everything has happened. Let's get into it. This is a show. You can watch it on YouTube.com slash kind of funny. You can listen to it later as a podcast. Just search for kind of funny in review on your favorite podcast service. And we'll be right there for you. Uh, today, we are brought to you by our kind of funny plays channel. But I'll tell you about that later. Let's get right into it. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Was anyone else here surprised that this wasn't called Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark? Yeah, I was wondering if that was going to get you guys. <laughs> it got me. Definitely yeah. got me. Nick, did you I, see this in theaters? I didn't know that. No, <laughs> that, that was impossible. It was impossible. No, I was going to say, I don't think I don't remember seeing the first one in theaters. The first one I think I saw in theaters was Temple. And I for sure saw um, The Last Crusade, which yeah, I loved. Yeah, because uh, this came out June 12th, 1981, a runtime of two hours and 11 minutes, directed <coughs> by Steven Spielberg, which, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, this is the first Steven Spielberg movie we've done in an interview. Uh, well, he oh, executive wow. produced the Transformer stuff, but this is probably the, f- maybe the, f- I mean, we did Jurassic Park. Did we? No, we didn't do Jurassic no, not Park yet. yet. We're doing it later this year. Oh, yeah, this might and be he, then. And he has since removed his name from all ju- uh, you know involvement in the Transformers franchise. He's just like, <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that, dude. Bro, I would have done that the second dude, the first not. one. I'd have been like, a common misconception is that Steven Spielberg did Batman v Superman because everybody loved it so much. What he did, though, Zack Snyder, who's coming back in March, motherfuckers. My, my, my mic was <laughs> muted, Greg, but I, I just want to let you know that I, I did a high pitched laugh at that one. That got me. Thank you, thank you, Barrett. See, it's <sighs> a smart person's joke. That's why none of you laughed. Except Steven, you're not on my bad side yet. I just wanted to come awesome. and go. I just wanted to come and go. Just wait. Steven I don't have yet, but I'll get there. <laughs> Became a household name for directing 1975 summer blockbuster Jaws. He then directed box office hits Close Encounters of the Third Kind, E.T., and the adventure films in the Indiana Jones series. He later would do The Color Purple and Empire of the Sun. After that, Jurassic Park, Schindler's List, uh, Saving Private Ryan. This motherfucker's crazy, man. When you, when you look at this list, it's like, what? How? Yeah. In a lot of ways, like Spielberg for me define like defines the '80s, right? He is like when you think of the 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 formation of the blockbuster, like the summer blockbuster movie. Like Steven Spielberg is the guy that absolutely made that happen, and for me at least. Like you know, you have you have George and the George Lucas Steven Spielberg connection was just like powerhouse. It's the Wombo combo, man. Like having Lucas produce and having uh, Spielberg direct, and then having um, Lawrence Kasdan, I think, wrote the screenplay for this. Yeah, is that he correct? did. Mm-hmm. Um, come on, dude. Those that's the team. That's the dream team right there. And they would and, and you know, I think I think the the Raiders trilogy kind of speaks for itself. Maybe they got when we get to the fourth one, we'll we'll pass judgment on that one. 
Uh, but one thing I didn't realize because I was a stupid kid, Minority Report was also directed by Steven Spielberg. I just thought originally. it was a dope movie. Not a original oh, really? oh, Minority Report. I'm sorry. AI. I, was thinking, I thought you were saying AI. Sorry. Yeah, Minority Report was. It was dope. Based on a Philip yeah. K. Dick story. What a good-ass cool. movie, Minority That You know what? Add that to the one-off movies I'd love to Hell one-off. Yeah. Uh, man, what a good-ass movie. And we're also going to make that a verb now. Let's one-off it. We're one-offing it. We're going to one-off it. It's good. Together. I'm going to one-off mm-hmm. in the shower. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you beat me one-off one. <laughs> that was good. <laughs> uh, the music was done by John Williams who served as a composer for Raiders of the Lost Ark. He said that the music did not have to be serious for the film and was instead theatrical and excessive, and that he was like, fuck it, I'm going all out, which oh is so cool, so damn cool. And There's... I also just love how excessively they play the theme in this, which is they how the these theme. hero movies should play, man. They love the theme in this movie so much. Every time I so play it, I, I get kind of hype. Like the, yeah. the, the theme is legitimately good, and John Williams apparently just cannot be defeated because he has hits after hits. I was yeah. weird. Blessing and I were talking before you guys came in, and I was just like, the theme from this movie is one of my all-time favorites because John Williams back in the day, at least in his earlier work, just loved the brass section. And Blessing, yeah. what was it you said? Oh, I said I want somebody to love me as much as John Williams loves brass. Yeah, <laughs> he really does <laughs> because he is not afraid to let that trumpet just go off, man. I mean, you've got this. Greg, is there anything better than the John Williams Superman score? There is not Nick Scarpino. Not by a mile. I'll tell you that not right now. Not by a mile. He yeah, there's did. some. Tim, there's Jaws, Star yeah. Wars, Raiders of the Lost Ark, Superman, the original theme. I mean, and this is no disrespect to, to the work they did with Man of Steel, but like the iconic Superman theme. And then, of course, Jurassic Park. Come on. I mean, give, give the yeah. man multiple Oscars for Christ's sake. I think I they think- have. I think when people, good, good. I think when people try to like put Hans Zimmer and um, John Williams against each other, immediately, like all you got to do, what's going to give you the dub for John Williams is like Hans Zimmer. You did have that weird ass song in Spider Man where Jamie Foxx is Electro, and you're mm-hmm. doing that. Wait, that was that Hans Zimmer? Yeah. Oh yeah, that that dog's <laughs> point. He lied sure. to me. Yeah. He bet him. Remember that one time? Okay. Oh yeah. Song. Never yeah. forget. He does it in his yeah. concert. What the a live and frog. Does, yeah, does, rocks. does Hans Zimmer collaborating with Disco Junkie XL and <laughs> Batman v Superman? <laughs> Why are you voice? talking so much shit about him? <laughs> <laughs> you know the new Snyder Cut's going to feature 45 more minutes of Junkie XL's comp- compositions, right? I don't care. I'm down for it. I was going to say, there are so many up. moments in this up. movie that remind me so much of Star Wars. Obviously, you know, it's not a huge surprise, but, you know, it's it's... Han Solo running around in a desert location and there are just the music is nonstop. I just got to imagine like I would love to imagine that John Williams is in real time on minute 34 just like fucking shit man this will sweating. not end like, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> most like well, Tom Cruise like it, it feels like the more he runs in a movie the better the movie is yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> well you know this yeah. was one of those things too back in the 80s and Greg will probably remember this but when you watch the first like Raiders of the Lost Ark and you saw what what Spielberg was capable of from just an action standpoint um, the story itself is we, we'll get to that when we start going through the plot but from just the composition standpoint how he moves the camera and how he shoots action scenes it was always just so it was just so sad he never got a shot at a Star Wars film. To me, at least. I know he probably didn't want to do that because he didn't want to like he didn't want to be compared to George Lucas because they were like their best friends. But like 
to me, I just always thought, man, how awesome would it be in the 90s he got a shot at the prequels or he got a shot at the uh, at episode 7, 8, and 9. That so with that, point. there's actually a lot of pretty interesting things here with the, the Lucas connection. So this movie had a budget of $18 million. George Lucas made what was at the time an unusual deal for the film. The studio financed the film's entire $18 million budget. In exchange, Lucas would own over 40% of the film <laughs> and collect almost half of the profits after the studio grossed a certain amount. It turned out to be a very lucrative deal for Lucas, allowing him to then go on and make a lot more money. Uh, Paramount executive Michael Eisner said that he felt the script for the film was the best he had ever read. Uh, it ended up getting a box office of $389.9 million, uh, though pre-release polling showed little audience interest in the film, especially compared to Superman 2, Greg. Uh, Raiders Lost Ark became the highest grossing film of 1981, uh, won a shit ton of awards. At the 1982 Academy Awards, Raider, Raiders of the Lost Ark received five awards, Best Film Editing, Best Production Design, uh, Best Sound, Best Sound Editing, and Best Visual Effects. It is the only Indiana Jones film to be nominated for Best Picture, but it did not get it. It lost to Chariots of Fire. Uh, it was also nominated for three other things, Best Cinematography, Best Original Score, and uh, Best Director, which it also lost out to, to Chariots of Fire. Mm. Mm. Yeah. No, 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 sorry. No, it lost to, lost to Warren Beatty for, for Reds. Uh, it, Reds. It, it lost, it it lost, original, it lost original score uh, to Chariots of Fire. Which, oh, bum, 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 which is pretty iconic. It's not Indiana Jones. I no, know, dude. And that's the thing. Like, you, and you talked about it earlier, right? Well, like this, this, the score of this movie is so perfect for like the pulp, like nature of it. It's just fun. Like when you listen to that score, you just think, "Let's go out there and like fight the Nazis. Let's go out there and like have an adventure." You know, like why does he have a whip? Who knows, Tim? It doesn't matter. You know, why is he wearing a leather jacket in South America where it's got to be at least 100 degrees and 100% humidity? It doesn't fucking matter. Uh, So a fun fact here is traditionally when one of his films is about to open, George Lucas goes on vacation to get away from all the the hullabaloo. Uh, As Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope was about to open, Lucas went to Hawaii where he was joined by Steven Spielberg. Uh, When the grosses for the film came in and it was clear it was going to be a hit, Lucas relaxed and was able to discuss other topics with his friend. It was at this point that Spielberg confessed he always wanted to direct a James Bond movie. And then Lucas was like, no, 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 no. Let's do this thing called Raiders of the Lost Ark. And he pitched him on his idea that was what would end up being Indiana Jones. But similarly to how Lucas took the old serials from the olden ages, uh, the, the you know sci-fi stuff, and turned that into Star Wars, uh, it was the same idea here of turning mm-hmm. those Samurai. old kind of Western things into uh, the pulp action Indiana, Indiana Jones, yeah. which is really freaking cool. After the trip, they got together, developed the script with Lawrence Kasdan. So it's like, damn, man, we got the dream motherfucking team on this. Bless it. It it being your first your first uh, time watching this. What were your thoughts? I really enjoyed it. Like, I'm going to I'm going to eat my words a little bit on KFGD because that's kind of where this whole thing spawned of me talking about how I had never seen Indiana Jones. Then I also I also mentioned that I have really no interest in seeing Indiana Jones. And that's not like anything against the character or the movies or anything. That was just mainly the idea of. Yeah, these movies, this movie, this movie series is from the 80s and nothing about, you know, going out and being this adventurer who's chasing after treasure really appeals to me just at the core of what that is. Like, that sounds like Uncharted. That sounds like things that I've liked, but I don't really feel like I got to go like get up and go rent an Indiana Jones movie to watch in 2021. That said, now that I've actually watched Indiana Jones, like I've really enjoyed it Uh, for a movie that came out, what, like 1980, 1981. uh, It's. The the action in this movie I feel like ages very well. 
where there are multiple scenes that I found myself enthralled with what was going on. The scene where he's in the car chase and uh, he's in front of the he's in front of the the car and the mm-hmm. driver's like trying to speed up so he can hit the car in front of him. And then he goes under the car and then climbs back around. That was super cool. Oh, the the fight with the with the with the tall dude that was pretty cool. Like the, <laughs> the amount of violence in this movie caught me off guard. I was not expecting as much blood as there was. Uh, and so overall, from an action perspective, I thought the movie was really good. From the the story for what the movie is, I think it was really entertaining. Uh, and Harrison Ford, amazing. Like he's very much Han Solo. Uh, he's very much that dude who's like, yeah, 100%. I'm charming. He's Harrison Ford. <laughs> yeah, he's Harrison Ford. And that's one of the things I was gonna say that like his performance in this movie was awesome. But I don't even know if I can call it a performance because it feels like he's just naturally charming and naturally attractive, and that very much shines through in this movie in a way that I had me fall in love a bit with the character of Indiana Jones. So for that, I appreciate it. Nick, what about you? Have you seen this? I'm sure hundreds of times, a bunch of times. Yeah. I mean, obviously the more you watch it, the more it starts, it's, it, it f- starts thinning out a little bit, especially when you compare it to sort of like the last star Wars film where you're like, Oh, there's a lot of similarities here where a lot of the plot devices are just discovered the things so we can discover the thing. You got to get the things so we can get the thing. And it's all just an excuse for Indy to go around the world and do crazy stuff. But one of the things that I always love is I just, I love the character of Indiana Jones because he is kind of a cocky asshole and he's constantly biting off more than he can chew. And he kind of get like every once in a while, he just gets knocked straight on his ass. And like my favorite part of this movie is when he fights the big uh, German guy by the plane and he punches him a bunch of times and kind of looks at him and the guy just hits him one time and his legs wobble and he just falls on his ass. That to me is Indiana Jones in a nutshell where he's always just sort of like flying by the seat of his pants Really has no idea. Like, there's that moment where he's like, I'm going to go catch up with the truck. And Saul is like, how? And he goes, I don't know, man. I'm making all this shit up yeah, as I go. Yeah, like, yeah. we're just going to go do this thing. I got to go do it. Um, and you just can't not like Han Solo. And that was why it was so – it was perfect casting because they were just like, what if Han Solo had his own movie? But it was like, you know, back in 1936 on Earth. That's pretty much what you get here. Greg, what about you? Yeah, I mean, Indiana Jones is uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is an incredibly fun movie. I think, again, yeah, having sat down and watched the theatrical here, it's like, all right, I feel like it's a bit long in places. I feel like we could have tightened this up a little bit. Uh, I think it shows its age. Like, you know, the action is fun at times, but there's plenty of times where it's just these weird limp punches or whatever that are going on. But it's also like hats off to Harrison Ford for doing a lot of the stuff. Not all of it, obviously, but through it. But I think that, you know, there's such a... uh, Cap, uh, like Harrison Ford, the way he captures your attention, the way he, you are locked on it, the way you are enjoying it, and the way he is that, you know, swashbuckling uh, jerk to an extent, right? Of like, like, in, like that, and like even when Marion meets him in the bar for the fir- first time or is reintroduced to him, right? And she's like, "I was a child." You're like, "Well, how young was she? What is going on?" But it's like you go through and like their chemistry, I like so much, and I like the way they use. Uh, I think Karen Allen's performance is great in this, in a real establishing way of somebody who isn't a pushover, right? And also in the same sense, you know, uh, Indy isn't like falling all over her but also as in being asked like that scene where he gets there and he's about to release her and he's like actually i have to leave you behind it's yeah. like such oh, a cool yeah. like she's like don't of do the it. dynamic that normally wouldn't <laughs> happen here for like you're straight you know you're uh blue like the rock would never do that right there would never be a moment in a rock movie where the rock left the damsel in distress tied to a pole right. because he's kind of like oh i got we, we got it there's a greater picture here that we have to figure out but but also the way they do a good job of not really making in distress she is right she is you know bait obviously they've captured her put there but like establishing her in the front is this like 
she can drink anybody under the table and she uses that to her advantage. And even when she grabs the knife and gets out, like she's in control of the situation until she's not. And the other Nazi guy shows up and stuff like they do a good job of making her feel fun and lively well, in this where she could just be window dressing. I, I always loved her introduction, right? Which is obviously you touched on it, right? She's drinking one of the patrons under the table for money. And then Indiana Jones walks in and she has a moment where she's like, oh, Indiana. And then just punches him in the face. Yeah, slaps him when she like, gets Like, you piece of shit. And I'm like, all right. I, that's, I'll, I'll always like that character for that that one little. And then that was a strong call for them. And they were like, this guy did her wrong and like took advantage of her. And she's like, fuck you, dude. You're a piece of shit. Um, and then obviously they go on an adventure together because he owes her money and that's great. Um, but yeah, sorry. Go ahead. Tim. No, you're, you're doing it. It's a real, it's an enjoyable movie. I'm excited to stack it up against Raiders because, or I'm fucking this up all the time. Sorry. Crusade. Uh, yeah. Crusade, right? No. The next one. Temple, Temple of Doom. Doom. Temple Doom, of Doom. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple well, choice sorry, all the most, way down until we get the one I want. Sorry, because mostly, like, I remember people, that being such a li- more lively movie, a more colorful movie, a more visually interesting movie, and I found this one. This was the one, again, I haven't watched it in theatrical, and I'm watching it. It's like, oh, I feel it being like a product of its time. It's like leaving the 70s, coming into what the 80s are and will become for action movies. So to see what the sequel is going to be, I'm excited for. Nick? Tim, I have a question for you. Does the Indiana Jones ride make a lot more sense to you now? Uh, I mean, here's my thing. My thoughts on this movie are like my touchstone to Indiana Jones is the ride more than right. anything. And honestly, I, I'm going to get a lot of shit for this. I feel like the movie did not live up to my hype and love of that ride. And I think in, in many ways it did when it comes to the music, when it comes to the the action is so awesome. But the character of Indiana Jones, I disagree with like what blessing was saying is i find kind of lacking where i feel like he never is quite as cool as han solo and on like he's honestly not even as cool as harrison ford is to me where he's fun and i like him being a teacher like those bits and like his backstory are interesting to me but he isn't as cool as i thought he was gonna be and that's me bringing baggage into the movie and expecting something different the whip's cool the action (laughs) is what did it for me as soon as i saw the whip i was like this guy's cool that's rad and the action and what he does all that stuff's great but like it, it his character itself kind of isn't enough in the direction of any of the things that i i like about harrison ford characters um or even like james bond type characters mm. um and him being an adventure and being a little bit more on the like i'm running into this and i'm not really sure if it's going to work out i like that stuff but i just feel like it's not backed up by a human uh that i am like super 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 enthralled with don't really have any problems with it it's just Indiana Jones is not as cool of a character as I thought and expected him to be. But the thing with the movie is it is so immaculately put together that even though um, I know this movie from Family Guy references more than I actually know it from itself. (laughs) Exactly. Just from pop pop culture, like over the years, like obviously I know so much about it, Um, like almost the greatest hits of the entire franchise watching it it is still genuinely enthralling and the way that it's shot and the way that the music is like worked into it and through the edit and all of it. Like I agree with Greg. It's a little long. Like it definitely feels like the movie ends. And then there's like a whole other addendum that, that keeps going. Um, so that was probably my one real pacing issue. But besides that, it's just like the way that the cameras used, the way that dialogue is focused on and like every single thing adds. Uh, I love it. I just wish that it, it felt a little bit more than, uh, what my major criticism of Uncharted's been forever, which is kind of like it is the get the thing to get to the mm-hmm. other thing to do the other thing. And like movies have just evolved so far past that um, to be genuine, like to have all the elements I love and be like legitimately great that it's weird to go back to see this. But man, for its time, I I, I can't believe that this movie is as 
the competence like an insult it as like like well done as it actually is i, th- andy, I think that's i'm sorry go ahead. andy what are your thoughts on it um <clears throat> i think it's just such a timeless movie it's it just holds up so well um writing action everything just seems like there's nothing in there that really looks insanely dated uh, and I don't know if it's the idea that it's, you know, this movie that was made in the late 70s, early 80s uh, to portray a movie in the late 30s. I don't know if that mm. kind of lends uh, lends to it, but there's almost a sort of silent picture vibe that I get during some of the fight scenes where it's just it's brass playing and it's and John Williams is going off and you get so many expressions from the actors that you could mute what little dialogue there would be mm. where the strong man mm. is walking up to Indy saying, Get over, you know, come come down here, and then and then Harrison Ford does such a great job of being on the plane, being like, "Oh shit, here we go," you know, and he doesn't have to say anything because it's just that you know what the character is. He is like what Nick was saying, so in over his head, so like not ready for this, but just kind of like, "Fuck it, we're flying by the seat of our pants, whatever." I'm gonna go down there and fight this giant dude, and hopefully, I can you know get one in on him. And I again, I love that moment where he does get knocked over. In such an animated, cartoonish way, and does fall down to his knees. Yeah, I, I mean, I I love, I, I love the characterization. I think so much of the the uh, Marion Indy, um, kind of back and forth is, it's cute. It's cute as hell. It's charming. Um, it's, I I did read that there was a fact that, uh, I think early on when the movie was made, she was fifteen when they were first in a relationship, but then they change that to make her 18 uh just to make it seem less awful and creepy <laughs> um <laughs> that's good yeah that, that, that there was there was a, a there was a re, that there was a re-release that sort of changed the that fact and that lore or whatever uh yeah i think it's i think it's a good ass movie man just front to back it's a solid fun film with uh kind of intriguing characters and villains and it i don't know i just, I just had a blast with it I, I think you nailed the the timeless thing because that was my thing going back and watching this movie is it reminded me of uh, in college I took a class that was Hitchcock like I talked to I talked to Nick actually like a few weeks ago on like some piece of content about Hitchcock movies mm-hmm. only reason I watched those movies was because I took a class on it and for that class every week we would go back and we would watch like Psycho or uh, Rear Rear Window or Birds or whatever the whatever mm-hmm. the movie is. And watching Indiana Jones kind of took me back to that in the way where you're absolutely right that if you took away dialogue, a lot of the action in this movie would still carry its uh, carry along because it is, in itself it tells a story. Like when you, when you have that scene where they're doing the whole chase and they're uh, 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 Indy's trying to find Marion and all this stuff, right? And all this stuff is happening that is being carried forward by the action of the scene, and you get to places like that one dude coming out and like swinging his sword and challenging Indy to a fight and he pulls out his gun and just shoots so great. like that is that is such a what feels like a black and white film kind of thing where the action is well done the action is serious but they have all these good moments of humor that all, almost like reflect forward on like what we'll get from marvel movies eventually where the, the mm. action is carrying things forward but then boom out of nowhere you get a little bit of humor in that live, yeah don't that, be that too serious yeah add a yeah. little bit of levity yeah tim yeah. do you have sorry go ahead bus oh no go for it go for it I was gonna say, do you have the trivia on that gun shot? Yeah, the the fun okay. thing about that scene is that uh, it was like semi improv where uh, everyone on the set got sick uh, except for Spielberg because Spielberg was the only person that refused to eat 
the food that they had and he bought a, <laughs> brought a bunch of spaghettios from america which is really random uh but he was only eating spaghettios so he didn't get sick everyone else got sick including harrison ford and they couldn't get the whip action down and he was like what if i just fucking shot him yeah and they're like okay yeah let's do that so that's what that scene ended up being <laughs> which oh, is awesome. like really cool because like that definitely feels like such a defining moment for him that's the thing about it where i think you know you you talk about like maybe it's a bit too long or i know nick was talking about the story getting thinner the more you watch it and what we're talking about right now is that it has this silent film quality to it that was what i found so shocking about it is that every scene i felt like had a moment where like oh that's indiana jones that's like an iconic scene like that's something you remember i've seen parodied whether it's family guy or whatever like there's something in there on every level to the point that like even the stuff I didn't recall well, or if I, I don't know if I've seen it or not since I'm a kid of like, you know, when uh, his partner from school comes over to Indy's house and he's in the road yeah, and they talk and like just the pan around the house of like seeing Indy, this teacher, but also this adventurer who's so obsessed with the journey and how in disarray his house is and the way maps and books are spread out. I was like, this is just like, even though this isn't one of the iconic moments I'm talking about this you know one perfect frame kind of shit is like setting up so well who he is of what indiana jones is i think i think a lot of it was it was spielberg's use of the camera right we're so conditioned to like to like a coverage way of shooting things where it's like starting a wide go and cut in close and then you have over the shoulders like that and there's there's some of that in this film but spielberg was really really he had a lot of fun moving the camera around there's a lot of dolly shots there's a lot of dolly shots that reveal other characters and it's just it was just very planned, the choreography of the camera and, and how they moved it. And I think a lot of that lends itself to that visual style that you just don't see too much anymore because it's just not economical. Yeah, yeah Tim, Tim, to your point of Indy, feeling wanting to get a little bit more from Indiana Jones as a character, I totally feel where you're coming from there too. Like, I think I'm coming, I, I come at it from the very much an opposite perspective of my expectations were kind of on the floor for this movie we're coming and i was like like my my the things i expected from this movie were all right i know indiana jones is like this confident dude is going to come through and save the day like in my in my eyes he's like the luke skywalker like the perfect hero and this is me before i watched this movie and i expected most of this movie to take place in the jungle for some reason maybe that's in a future movie um but that was like that's where my expectations were and so when we started this movie and you get the shot of him in the jungle doing his thing but then immediately get him being a professor of archaeology at a university, I was like, oh, I didn't know we were, we were coming here. And then when they when you get into a bit more of him, like, you know, wanting to uh, go after the Ark of the Covenant because he he's this archaeologist too that wants it in the museum and all this stuff. That started that for me, that was that was enough for a movie that was was going to go into action upon action and go into like, okay, cool, let's meet Mary and let's meet all these other characters. That it exceeded my expectations, though I totally think you're correct in saying that like yeah, no, this, he, like, he, when you compare him to other Harrison Ford characters or other, like, other main characters in movies in general, like, there, there is a little bit to be desired there. I mean, for okay. me, what it really comes down to is he's not as cool as I thought he was going to be, and he's not quippy like Nathan Drake, which I expected mm-hmm. him to be. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's, like, that's the only yeah. criticism I have of it. Well, there's, there's other criticisms you can render, right? Like, the, 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 the two criticisms that I always have with this movie is that there's not a ton of growth in the character by the end yeah. of it. Like, it really is just about the spectacle and the adventure, right? And there's no disrespect to the, the franchise, but, like, this one, above all, they really wanted you to be, like, in, in the world and focus on it. But I, I never feel at the end of this movie that Indy's changed at all, and I know that because he's walking down the stairs pissed off that he didn't get to keep the Ark of the Covenant. Like, he didn't get to keep this thing that he just saw nuke a whole fucking <laughs> island full of people right and so to me i'm like all right indy you didn't learn shit and then obviously like 
you know, have I, I never felt that the the relationship with Marianne was going to progress beyond like, you know, a certain point. In, in, well, I don't in, think they did either. The right? that, either right? That's yeah. one of the things I do like about it. I think, you know, especially coming off of in review, uh, uh, Edgar Wright and World's End and Scott Pilgrim. And we talked about these characters that we don't like and we don't agree with. And yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones is a great character that is flawed. And I love him despite that. And, Mm -hmm. you know, in some ways because of it, right? Like, I do love that scene at the end that I think, you know, now we, I think uh, so many directors and writers and stuff would beat you over the head with it earlier and do a million things of him with the rocket launcher and the villain turning around and having the trite thing of like, we're a lot alike, you and I, you wouldn't, but like, they've already had that conversation, but the, the, you know, the villain calls him on it. Just like, everybody back, he's not going to do it. Like he understands what this is. He blah, blah. And like that realization, Harrison Ford, again, plays all on his face of like, Fuck, he's right. Like, yeah, I can't do this. Yeah, that brings me to my other huge criticism of this movie, which is, and this is obviously Barrett's probably heard this before, but the the big criticism. These are the only two criticisms that Nick has. This is literally it. This is it. Honestly, second one. Yeah, but the big one is that, um, and and this is the joke about this movie is that uh, Indiana Jones does absolutely like nothing to further the plot of the movie. Like, he doesn't actually stop the Nazis at the end. And he doesn't actually do re- like if you took him out of this movie, it's conceivable that the whole thing would have played out exactly like it did, and the arc would have just sat on that island forever. Because <laughs> he doesn't. So he's my the big- one who finds it. He's the one who drags it out. Yeah, but it's not. But it's not beyond. But he had had he not been there, they would have yeah. taken it from Marion. They would have figured it out. They would have had the medallion both sides of it, and they would have figured it out, taken it out, and boom. Granted, the United States government getting it, you could argue, yeah, they needed it and they kept it safe, whatever, in that giant warehouse. But my problem is that at the end with the rocket launcher, he should have known. He should have been doing that to get caught to save Marion and say, close your eyes. Because we don't know how he knew not to look in the arc. And that's that's a glaring plot hole to me that I never realized until watching it this time. I was like, hey, how the fuck did he know to close your eyes? Yeah, I remember that. What the weird. fuck's going on over there, right? <laughs> my dad Maybe, pointed that out to me when we yeah. first watched it together. It was like, huh, yeah, that's interesting. He, he should have known. He should have done because of his expertise or because of the things that he learned along the way. He should have known that's the trump card. That's how I'm going to beat these guys. By getting caught, I have to get caught to save Marion. I have to whisper in her ear, close your eyes. And then... Don't worry about the blood curdling screams that are happening around you. <laughs> just close your eyes because at the end of the movie, he just goes, close your eyes. And then this last time I was like, how did, and I looked it up. Apparently there's some scenes that were cut where when they go to the, um, the wise old man in, uh, in Morocco, he says uh, some of the scripture on the thing says like, don't look into the ark. Don't close your eyes, bro. Yeah. yeah. And that's why, that's why when they, says. when they go into the well of souls, you'll notice they don't touch the ark. They put the poles through and they open it up because whoever touches the ark apparently dies as well. But I guess mm. that just wasn't that never really came across in the movie to me. So I always felt like that fucking character progression never really. I know, man. Spielberg, go back. You need to you need to throw some out. fucking new music in this thing and put some CG in there, man. It's a little CG yeah. Harrison Ford action. Yeah, yeah. On. Talk to your friend Georgie and see how that goes. Get rid uh, of the shotguns. Give them walkie talkies. Put it on yeah. HBO Max. No, remake Greg, the movie. Tim, did you know how this movie was gonna end? No. Because <laughs> when, <laughs> when I got there, I was like, "What the fuck." kind of twist is this <laughs> like when the faces started melting legit i was like wow this is out of left field it's a lot. In a way. like if i had a critique with this movie it would be that that comes out of nowhere and like i understand the idea of well they kind of build up the idea that the arc is this big thing and the reason they're going after it is because of this occult occult shit i wish there was a little bit of build up there of like some like somewhere sprinkled in we get an example that there is some like 
supernatural shit yeah. going on you when you go wind, from zero you to 100 kicks up for no reason right that's wind. the same thing happening Bless. when you go from the- zero to 100 that way it was like yo what the fuck did this come from like where how did how did we get here bless in uncharted one i did not think i was going to be fighting demon creature cat yeah. people i had no idea scared the shit out of me never played it again i mean honestly <laughs> that ending made me appreciate uncharted way more because i was like oh i get it now i understand yeah, I why, get uncharted, why uncharted made that bizarre ass choice yeah <laughs> um, by the way i got a, I I got got a bunch of facts I don't know if you have facts on the Nazis, but Hitler really apparently really did look for religious oh, relics yeah. because oh yeah, oh, he was super into the cult. That's why like, I, it's funny because I didn't line it up at, on purpose at all. But uh, last night we watched Indiana Jones, and the night before we watched Captain America: First Avenger, and it was that thing of like starting up Indiana Jones is like oh fuck right I forgot we're get, we're getting more w- weird Nazi people <laughs> going after mm-hmm. weird stones and shit trying to fucking give Hitler the upper hand, but it didn't work. USA, am I right, everybody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I got a couple USA. facts that uh, tie into a couple things we've said, but we moved on really quick here. So Greg made an ET reference a second ago. Uh, Steven Spielberg wrote a script during shooting breaks on location of this film. Uh, when Melissa Matheson was there to visit her husband, Harrison Ford, Spielberg dictated to her a story idea he had. That script was eventually E.T. the Extraterrestrial. She Harrison that, Ford, right? what are you eating over there? Reese's Pieces. I'd follow him anywhere. Write oh. <laughs> it down. <laughs> hey, right that's good. That's good. Hey, 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 Steve, how long has it been since you phoned home? What's that? Phone <laughs> home, Steve. Oh. Uh, and then blessing. Yo, let me so see me... your penis. Oh, it looks like the main character. In my <laughs> Jesus, what oh do you do? Eat, drink more water, Steve. <laughs> what do you mean? It... <laughs> <laughs> it looks like the main. How do you know? <laughs> that's like, what I do. <laughs> You get a rough idea, and then you need to see a penis to really drive it home. That's got to be the main character. Oh, no. But, Bless, this one's for you based on the the scary faces. The film was originally given an R rating because of the exploding head and the face melting. Uh, But they they added layers of fire in front of the face to make it less graphic. I don't know how much they... Accomplish that, but hey, no, it didn't it get it on radio, hey, Nothing's so. worse. Nothing's worse than the snakes, man. I like, legitimately oh, thought, oh my god, snakes, oh, Andy, yeah. Andy, just wait. <laughs> I legitimately thought, like, I accidentally switched movies <laughs> when the faces started melting. I was like, oh, is this? Did I fuck up? Like, is Amazon Prime like having issues? What's going on here? You have a different did, version, Tim. Nick, did they Nick, the, the last thing I have for you. Effects? Yeah, they did. Yeah, I think Christian Winston did these, right? Uh huh. Yeah. They won best yeah, visual yeah. effects. Uh. I don't see Stan Winston's name on it. I mean, maybe it was Richard, I'll look it Richard Edlin, Kit West, Bruce Nicholson, and Joe Johnston. Uh, yeah, uh, I would have put a million effects. dollars at Stan Winston did these visual effects. <laughs> uh, but Nick, a fact for you here is uh, a fan theory that was popularized by the Big Bang Theory states that Indiana Jones plays no role in the final outcome of the story. Since despite his best efforts, the Nazis still end up obtaining the Ark and killing themselves opening it. In the absence of Indiana Jones, the Nazis would have uh, stolen the headpiece from Marion, made a correctly proportioned staff of Ra, and d- discovered the Ark themselves. It stands to reason that many Nazis would have been killed during the first opening of the Ark, but they would eventually have figured out how to use the Ark as a weapon by keeping their eyes shut. However, it was Indiana Jones's presence as the end of the film that makes the difference. He finally recovered the Ark after it killed the Nazis on the island and delivered it to the U.S., thus keeping it out of World War II. Of course, so, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's largely joking when people say that, but it is it is a little bit weird that, that yeah, anyway, we, we've, we've tried it over it, but yeah. It's cool call. stuff. It's the plot time. It's a plot. It's a plot time. It's time for the plot. Ladies and gentlemen, Raiders of the Lost Ark, or as I guess they renamed it, Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, which I remember not, I don't remember when that happened, Tim. Maybe you have that, but Did, I remember the original thing they released as Raiders of the Lost Ark. I don't think they ever renamed it. 
I'm on oh, Amazon you... Prime. I'm looking at it right now, and it's Indiana Jones in the Raiders. Oh, really? Of the yeah. At a certain but point, they, they did because it was super Raiders. confusing. Yeah. IMDb is Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark, but Indiana the poster Jones. is just Raiders of the Lost Ark. Indiana Jones, live, die, repeat. Exactly. <laughs> the Idol. I'll throw you the whip, ladies and gentlemen. We're starting this bad boy with the old school Paramount logo, which I thought was cool, and fades into a real mountain range that must have taken them a while to find as a, a, a man shrouded in, in shadows and a cool fedora hat. And again, a leather jacket halfway through summer in the, in the South American hot. jungles. Just got to be hot. And of course, our old friend Doc Octopus is there as well. Yeah! Did you notice that? It is first Hell. credited on screen role. Awesome in this movie. So perfect in this role. Covered in real tarantulas. Fuck that. That's the day I quit acting forever. That, that scene all is totally cool. The tarantulas that. were great. They didn't move. Everything was good until they introduced a female tarantula. And then they all went crazy. Uh, oh. Ain't that yeah, I quit acting. They were all yeah, trying to get a nickel. On, you know? If no. I had a nickel. Uh, that's why he hates spiders. Al- Alfred. Mo- oh, damn, Tim. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Later, he would go and try to kill the biggest spider oh, of them all. Oh, shit. Peter Parker. Uh, that took me a second. I was like, what the <laughs> fuck is he? I don't remember that in Spider Spider Man. I was like, oh, yeah. Uh, Even in Promising Young Women, they make a reference to it. Yeah. Oh, there you wow. go. Uh, Indiana Jones, of course, uh, puts has figured out where the entrance to this uh, this cave is or this uh, this temple is, and uh, with two pieces of the map. Meanwhile, one of his guides, Baranka, sneaks up behind him because he's like, "Okay, I'm gonna take this one." He tries to shoot him, and of course, this is the first time we get the iconic whip with that snap as he turns around and whips the gun right out of his hand, and we see in the light his his eyes come into light. And again, talking about that beautiful cinematography as Harrison Ford turns perfectly into that like noir. Eye light, we see Indiana Jones for the first time. Uh, and then the dude runs off in the forest. He's like, oh no, and runs off. Uh, he collects oh, a bag no. of dirt. Oh no. And heads into the secret tomb uh, that has a giant hole in the ceiling. Tim, did you notice that when they walk through? Because I'd have been like, what goes up there? Is that where no. they keep their Christmas presents? Yeah, it's there. <laughs> <I did. laughs> uh, then Doc, this is the spider scene, and I'd prefer not to talk about it because it traumatized me as a child and probably is the reason why I hate spiders. Uh, we get this amazing gag with the light where he's like, whoa, don't go into the light. And then he puts his hand there and then the spikes come out Bing. and that's where they see the other professor that, that had been looking for it. And he's like, oh, you weren't good enough, old man. And I forget the guy's name. I didn't write down. Uh, Indy uses his whip to cross uh, a small little hole, a gorge in the ground. Uh, Which I, we- I can imagine, Nick, being a young boy watching this. Fuck Tim. Every was the time, coolest thing in the every- world. Greg, I don't know if you do this or not, but when I was a kid and not overweight, I would like tie, I would like try to get ropes up onto tree branches and swing them, and they of always broke. It never of worked, but it was so cool. Tim, I actually had a bullwhip because of this movie. My mom bought me a bullwhip at a swap meet. That's and a I terrible. Had, I think my terrible. brother that had one that so was so scary. <laughs> my brother had one that was uh, brown, and I had one that was black, and mine was shorter than his. And I always had an inferiority complex about that because his sure. looked more like Indies. And so when he went off and it, it, you know discovered anything other than childhood uh, toys. I co-opted that whip and I was like, I'm going to start whipping things, but it was legit. Like, whoosh, like you could cut your face with it. Yeah. Up I can it. imagine your mom just being like, Nick, we've planted seven trees out there. They're all down. Like you need to stop swinging <laughs> from them. Oh man. We <laughs> you need like... to stop swinging from the trees. The thing that I, that really, really blew me away about the whole, about the whole concept of using a whip to swing is that it's such a given to Indy, and you could tell he's done this a million times. Where to me, I'd be like, I guess I could I try to swing across this because even towards the end, when Homeboy's uh, uh, backstabbing him, and it's like he's like, "Give me the whip uh, to fucking uh, what's his Throw face? Me the, to pass Alfred me the whip. Malina. I'll pass the whip. Pass me the pass yeah." Me. To, to me, it's like 
Harrison Ford knows that he can use this whip for swinging purposes. It's such a given, but it doesn't seem like such a given in real life. It no. seems like yeah. such I a... considered it power. I mean, every time you use the whip to try and swing a thing, when this when the whip would wrap around, I'd be like, "That's not secure." No, that's yeah. gonna slide off. That, that, is, that seems not, unsafe. Not that you got to move really fast. Uh, of course, he gets into the uh, the room with the idol, um, and we get the final little obstacle here, which is uh, you know going to set the tone really for all the Indiana Jones franchise of trying to overcome these cool temple obstacles, which is the floor. If you step on it, it shoots poisonous blow darts at you. We've already seen the blow darts outside as well um, because uh, some of the indigenous people use them uh, to keep people away from the temple. And this finally, shit's always Nick, blown me away. Like even yeah. with Uncharted, just mechanized yes. architecture, like oh, old yeah. school mechanized architecture. It's Fascinates if you're still in Uncharted. Anytime it happens, it's like, how, what are the inner workings of this? Who works? Do you think is that, that a real thing? Like, does that exist? I don't know, Black. I, I doubt it. Oh, I mean, you have to. Though. It had to come from somewhere. Well, I'm sure they were like. I'm sure there were like traps false have floors. to exist for a reason. Yeah. But I can't imagine that they were so technologically advanced, like a thousand years ago, when they put this idol on the statue, that they figured out how to interrupt light. To like yeah. <laughs> mega, to control a mechanism. <laughs> That's always the one where I'm like, I don't think we can do that today. What do you do? It, well, yeah, what if somebody invaded during you know the, the nighttime? Defense is rendered but, useless. Uh, here's the thing: they get a pass on that one, but they can't through the hole in the ground, and they just fall right through. Damn it! Damn, 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 damn. Nick, uh, before before we started recording, we were talking a lot about uh, the music and John Williams and how similar the score uh, between the love theme from star Wars and the, the love theme in this are so similar where it's like the first same three first notes as it like takes off and it's still pretty similar throughout. There's another uh, little motif here in the Indiana Jones score that I really love. That reminds me a lot of the space theme that we never heard enough of in Empire oh, Strikes Back. The one that I swore was in every movie and you're like, Nope, Nick, it was it's just only in this one movie. Uh, one scene, yeah. But it's, it's the like epic. It's not the Indiana Jones theme. It's not the love theme. It's well, so it's it's like that, but it's just it's the ha, da, 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 when whenever they see the like whenever oh, they're in the final yeah, yeah, rooms, it's yeah, so yeah, fucking yeah. cool. It's just like it's a, so like good. oh we're here, we're in, we are now in the temple. That is the the thing. I'm like let's fucking that is the temple of doom. Uh, and of oh. course, you guys have probably seen this parodied over and over. There's there's a bunch of things here that just get parodied all over because they're iconic, right? Him weighing out the sand and pouring out a little bit out, and then doing the quick swap with the with the idol and being like, and then again, the first moment we really get the indie character. What does he do, Greg? He's like, hey, I nailed it, and then all hell breaks loose. He's like, yeah, oh yeah. shit, and has and just runs, just runs through the room with all the blow darts, and they flash past him. And of course, that's the part in the ride scene with you know the beginning with air blowing your face, and then. Never the the thing, but really, oh, Andy, we always, always breaks ride. down. It's always so yeah. down. It probably still will forever, but Andy, you're going to love this thing. It's so cool. I got that uh, fast pass because it broke down. Uh, Doc Ock, of course, has has uh, crossed the little hole and is now has the uh, the whip and wants the idol in exchange. Once uh, once Andy throws in the idol, uh, he goes, "Sorry, man. Uh, good luck." Yeah, I forget what he says, but but he's like, "Get the hell out of here." So a uh, fun thing for, for my life is uh, speaking of the Disneyland ride of Indiana Jones. Growing up, the theme park most local to us was this place called Great America that is now California's Great America. But growing up, it was Paramount's Great America. Oh, so they yeah. had a whole bunch of like themed Paramount stuff, Nickelodeon stuff, all that, whatever. Uh, but one of the coolest things would be actual props. And there was a uh, – it wasn't a ride, but it was more like a just like a thing, like a museum type thing. But they had the idol. And like you, you oh, can touch it. And cool. Like the one from the movie, which is like super fucking cool. Speaking of just That's Disney, really I like I, – I just – 
I always thought this was a Disney movie. I'm over there on Disney Plus. Like, what's well, going to be? Movie? It is technically it's Lucas. So Lucasfilm, which means it is owned by Disney, but because of the licensing of stuff, Netflix has the license currently for the streaming. But I think in 2022, it's coming to Disney Plus. I mean, oh, I think cool. even before the the Disney acquisition, though, I just always thought, oh, it's at Disneyland. It oh yeah. Be, a Disney movie. <laughs> like, I felt like such an idiot. I was like, God damn it. No, that's a, that's, a, that's a honest mistake there. Because I would have <laughs> no, sworn it was too. Because it was. I'm sorry, Andy. I'm sorry. I was trying to be nice. Uh, of course, uh, Andy jump, he jumps the gap and uh, grabs onto a root. And again, another great Harrison Ford moment where he's like, good. And then the root slips and he goes, oh shit. Like he gets that moment of just, oh shitness again, climbs up. And then another iconic thing goes underneath the, um, the, Door. door as it's closing and grabs his whip as he, as he goes uh pops out and then we get the boulder and the the great dolly in as he turns around and looks over his shoulder and the camera's coming into him and then we see this massive boulder that i'm like how the f- did they get that up and do they have to reset it every time <laughs> like if someone <laughs> fails that they got to push that thing back up I'm like well, i know what i'm doing for the next month uh he gets chased out and runs right into uh the uh the tribes people of the Hobitos, uh who are there with Belloc, who has conned them into being on his side. Um and Indy takes a moment and his or Belloc takes it away from him and says, What is once yours is now mine or whatever. And then Indy uses a, a brief moment where he loses his uh his or whatever. <laughs> well, he says, I have it written down later. He's like, yeah. once again, Dr. Jones, what is what was briefly yours is now mine. Um uh Jones bones out. And then uh, Bellic sends him and sends him after them, uh, and he gets chased over to the seaplane. Which Tim, did you did you notice the call sign on the uh, the seaplane? No, I didn't. The lettering on the tail is OB dash CPO. Ah, there's a, lot of, oh. there's a lot of those cool little moments sprinkled throughout. Must be a Star um, Wars fan. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Spielberg was really lobbying for that job. He never got. I think, if I'm not mistaken, as well, um, in the Snake Pit in the Well of Souls, if you look closely on the walls, you can see hieroglyphics of R2D2 and C3PO. Oh, that's, oh, cool. that's awesome. awesome! Yeah, that's really it's just like in the back there. They kind of feel those in. Uh, he gets into the plane. This is the first time we hear the theme as he as he uh, swings into the water, and we hear the iconic Raiders or Indiana Jones theme. And then he gets in, uh, rides the plane out, crawls into the uh, cockpit, and what does he see? Tim. A big old snake named Reggie. <laughs> and the guy's like, man up, bro. It's just a snake. And they take off. And he's like, I hate snakes. And how, that's going to be a How did he forever. not know the snake was there? Did he not come in with Jock? Was he just I like to imagine Jock? that Jock found the snake and was like, you're my new pet, Reggie. And the snake like, call okay. you I think, <laughs> yeah. I think Reggie was in his part of the cockpit. You know what I mean? Like, there he had his own stuff. And then it just went over mm-hmm. there. To I like to think that home. he's hanging by the tail of the plane with his whip the whole the whole flight. I'll, I'll that sure. Over there. Cool. sure. That's how he worked those shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we get we cut back to the university where Indy has now cleaned himself up and he is teaching a class where a girl wrote love you on her eyelids and this always super creeped me out when I was a kid did you guys catch this part yeah, yeah. I thought it was weird, weird. So, I it's you written on your, well it's not just her right it's every woman in the class sitting Ford. there dreamily yeah in love with Harrison Ford similar to Dwight in Transformers Revenge of the Fallen remember of that course. Andy oh uh, my god Holy shit, dude. What a visionary Michael Bay mm-hmm, is, man. Mm-hmm. Just dropping Take in the these best parts Easter of Indiana eggs. Jones. 
put it into Transformers. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, of course, uh, Marcus comes in and they rap about losing the idol to Belloc. And then they head over because there are some army intelligence fellows that would like a word with Indy. Turns out Hitler's been sending archaeologists all around the world looking for the lost Ark of the Covenant. And I'd like to apologize because I think two weeks ago I said it had Jesus's remains in it. And boy, was I wrong. It is the, uh, the <laughs> it is the what the one. original Ten Commandments were held in. Um, the Nazis have discovered the city of Tanis, where the Ark might be kept uh, in a place called the Well of Souls, but the whole city got consumed by the desert in what has to be a very biblical thing. Uh, Indy tells the army dudes that uh, the person they really want is his old mentor, Abner Ravenwood, uh, but they don't talk anymore because Indy, uh, we were not going to talk about that. Um, My name's Abner Ravenwood. Abner. I'm Abner. Uh, Such Abner, a pig of course. Name. Did yeah. they ever say that Abner went missing? He went missing, right? He, we, no one knows where Abner is. Doesn't matter. Uh, we get more Correct. stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, okay. he mentions, uh, Indy mentions we had a falling out. We're just not friends anymore. But do we know where Ravenwood went? That's my question. Doesn't matter. We'll keep going. Uh, what's up, Greg? Nothing. Okay. Uh, we get more stuff. And this is where I, this is where you start understanding, like, okay, we're just going to, they're going to pour on the exposition here, right? Okay, we got the staff of Ra. And then on the top of the staff is a headpiece. That headpiece will, by the way, they don't refer to it the headpiece anymore. It's going to be called the medallion uh, from now on. And that thing, you put it on top, you take it to a map room, you figure out which peg to put it in. And that's going to point to the massive scale model map room of where everything is. And then you got to measure some shit out. And then we'll find the lost Ark of the Covenant. What's inside of it? I don't know. Probably something cool we can bring into the museum, or it has the power to destroy all of mankind, one or the other. Uh, Greg Miller from Kind of Funny. I just did a quick search. He, you want to know where he is? He's dead, right? He's Marion's dead, isn't that the whole? Did I, did he, yeah, he, but I, I never knew if he was dead or if he. But how does he not? How does Harrison Ford not know that? Because he said, well, "Who you?" They, really they had want a falling out over Marion. Yeah. Oh, so he just didn't he's, know he died. Yeah, he said yeah. we were really, Got really it. good friends. Unfortunately, we had a falling out. I'm just not sure where he's at now. Got it. Okay. Um, sorry, I'm confusing some of the stuff that happens in the later films as well. Uh, so they're like, well, you're our guy. Uh, Marcus comes over to report. You got the job. And Indy's super excited about it. Uh, but Marcus is oh, actually before that, the army people are like, what, what do you think's inside of it? And he's like, I don't know. But uh, legend tells that an army who carries the Ark before it is invincible. Uh, that night, of course, Marcus tells him he's got the job, but he gives him a word of caution. He's like, this is like nothing you've ever gone before. Um, to which uh, Indiana Jones is like, don't, be, don't believe all that superstition. We're going to get this as an important relic. Um, besides, you know, how, you know what a cautious fellow I am. He says right before he takes an old revolver and just chucks it across the room <laughs> into a suitcase, <laughs> which is such a great bit of, uh, of storytelling there. Uh, Indy boards a plane to Nepal, uh, but doesn't notice there's a Nazi spy aboard with him and then we get another thing that's been parodied on family guy multiple times and i'm sure you guys have seen before which is the map with the red line that's going from stop to stop to stop and boy really makes you appreciate uh uh transcontinental travel right now because all the places he has to stop along the way it would have taken probably three days to get across the world and now tim we can do it in just under one day was this the the first time that effect was used to my knowledge that i remember like in pop culture yeah because that's cool. Yeah, I, 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 no, no, no. I'm, so, I'm sure like the older movies it was used before. It, I it must have been. It yeah, must have been. I, I would have not even I thought that. I this is the first map ever used. <laughs> I would have not even thought that it, that they were parodying Family Guy. I thought they were just parodying any other movie that's ever done this. Because I feel like this was just the staple of showing how to show 
you know, transportation Travel. on film oh, yeah. like that. I, I'm sure back in like the 40s and 50s, this was a thing. And they were, I think they just, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I remember it being iconically from Indiana Jones. I like that, it but. when Family Guy does the the in real time jokes, right? The little thing is moving and then like they stop somewhere and like the character says yeah. a funny line, a little funny quip. <laughs> and well, they move real quick. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we head over to Nepal where we get introduced to Marion and I, uh, Marion and I love uh, that she's just sitting there with all of her patrons begging around her and she's drinking one of them under the table. Uh, of course, once they all go, she gets she shoes everyone out. We get another great shot where we just hear his voice first as he steps into the light and we see a shadow cast against the wall with the fedora and we hear hello Marion and she knows exactly who it is walks right over and just punches his ass right across the face because she is still pissed about how things got left um india real, of course, real quick like, for you yeah. uh, i just looked it up the earliest reference found of the the map dotted lines Travel. is yeah. car and camera around the world in 1929 oh my mm. gosh wow that's how was ridiculous. that movie nick that was great, man. I saw it in theaters growing up. Uh, it was super cool. Little, little, little quiet. Little Got to quiet. walk on set. <laughs> Meanwhile, according to uh, Google, early world maps, the earliest known map, world map is in classical antiquity, the oldest examples in the 6th and 5th centuries BCE. Thank you, Greg. Wow. 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 No Greg, awesome. can you look up when they started using um, the aqueducts for me? That'd be great. Sure, sure. Oh, Thank you. yeah. And I love whips. hearing that. And whips. Whips, please. Thank you. Uh, of course... Indy wants the medallion, which he tries to pass off as being just a useless piece of bronze, but she knows better. Uh, she wants money, so I think he gives her $5,000 or $3,000, and she says, fine, come back tomorrow. I'm making him really jump through some hoops. He leaves, of course, and it turns out uh, that Marianne has been apparently wearing this massive medallion around her neck for, I guess, since her father left. I don't know. Feels like not the kind of thing, Blessing, that you'd want to wear underneath like your clothing because it all. is the size of your body. But hey. When I was a kid, never really bothered me. I was like, cool, I'll just wear that, that, that big old medallion underneath there. Uh, of course, she's not alone. Uh, surely, sh- shortly after that, uh, Tot, I think is how you would say his name, who is the creepiest person ever on film, comes in with some of his goons. <laughs> this guy nails this role. I was terrified of this guy. Yeah, because he's very, like, very he's unsettling. Like, He's like greasy, you know. He's like this little, like little creepy. He's Slugworth. Dude. He's like Slugworth. Yes. Very Slugworth. Yeah. He's cre- he's creepy as hell. Also, like uh, you know, I'm not trying to you know talk about somebody's appearance, right? But you know, sounds when like you're about to. You know when Hayao Miyazaki in his anime movies draws somebody to look kind of weird. Mm-hmm. This is what this guy kind of reminds me of. Like just one of those weird characters that doesn't look like a handsome character, you know? Yeah. Like, yep. like cause in, in Miyazaki movies, it's either you're super handsome or you're kind of a weird looking character. And this guy reminds me of that. He like um, he I think he hits the, the triple threat too of like not only coming off as very smart, but then also coming off as very mean and capable. Like when you're yeah. those three things, it's like you're a force to be dealt with. Yeah. Absolutely. Of course, he hey, catches Nick. on very quickly. That, yes, uh, I'm sorry, Greg. Do we have an aqueduct? Sorry, the earliest uh, examples update? of these date, for, this is for aqueducts, the from the Minoan civilization in Crete in the early 2nd millennium BCE and from contemporary Mesopotamia. And then, so that's, you got, for aqueducts, it looks like you're looking at 2nd millennium BCE. Oh, and then great. Cool Whip was made in 1966. Oh, no. Cool Whip. Perfect. Just Nailed re- it. Just regular Whip. I haven't heard Mesopotamia since 6th grade. So thank you for that, Greg. And before we move on with the plot, let me tell you about our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by twitch.tv slash kind of funny games every single weekday, 10 a.m. We're doing kind of funny games daily. It is the most watched live daily video game news show. 
that it records in San Francisco. I don't know how many specific things I need to say for it to be a true statement, but somewhere in there, a lot of people enjoy the show. And you could be one of those people that watches live when we record on Twitch or if news isn't your thing after that show at 11 a.m. Pacific every single day, we're playing some video games for at least two hours. And it's been a blast. And guess what? I know a lot of you out there right now are like, well, I can't watch live when you guys are doing things because I live in Ireland. Well, guess what, Irish people? You can go to YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny Plays and watch the archives of the streams at your leisure. We like to give you options here at Kind of Funny. Thank you for all your support. Until next time, I love you. Keep watching the show, though. Tim, whenever you heard Mesopotamia in in, in third grade, did it, was it ever super intimidating? Because like this is going to come with a lot of reading. I feel yeah, like. so much mm-hmm. reading yeah. every single time. I anyway, don't know why, I don't know why Greg interrupting right there just reminded me of the, the and more voice memos that he's been sending me. Oh man, do you want to play uh, some of them right now? Do you wait, need Greg's to get off the chest? I want to oh, see if this blessing. works. Yeah. Blessing, well, you're not a lot of content. <laughs> There's nothing yeah, I hate more right now than Greg's face. Hey. Like, I'm looking at him <laughs> listening to I'm all this. I'm a normal this. person. Yeah, I don't okay. know why. This okay. is so weird. Do you want to hear this? Do you want to hear this? Yeah, I want to be your friend. I want to be Andy's friend, so I send him messages. Go ahead See, Blessing, don't ask Hold for on, these because this is what you'll get. Andy. Andy. And so this is the one he sent this morning. <laughs> Are you in the same parking garage where you recorded the Joker bits? No, the first here's one. A, Barrett, it sounds like he's in a fucking supermarket. <laughs> That's what really throwing me up. There's the first a, one was in of... the same Ronald McDonald uh, parking lot, yes. And the second one, yeah, was I wanted to do it in the backyard and tell you about nature, but the people were working on one of the other airplane music, so it was like this Got weird, it. distant, like I'm on a shore. That's, I'm that's really glad I, I could play these. Man. I'm glad I figured this thing you out. Figured here's, it out. Here, here's another one that uh, bless you. May have missed this one. Mm-hmm. Oh, hold on. <laughs> Long pause, of silence. This is awesome. Where do the demons go? <laughs> now you want the smoke blessing? This is the smoke you want me <laughs> yeah. to start you, sending you. you, you don't want it. You don't want it. I take it back. I don't want you. You don't want it. One more. One more for bless. One more for bless. Now he's on the prowl. One more for bless. One more for bless. One more. When was the last time you felt alive, Andy? When did this become a thing? How did I miss this? But blessing, it's, it's been a thing a for a while. Theme. Every it's once in a while, he, every yeah, every once in a while, Greg would send me just text messages. Um, and, and so yeah, one time he just uh, he said, um, I hashtag wolves over the airwaves. <laughs> it's like <laughs> another. <laughs> I don't know, bless. I, it's That's so hard awesome. to explain, dude. It's so hard to explain. Wolves over the airways is genius. That's a good oh, job, you know man. what? I think he was just texting me stuff. It wasn't over Instagram stories. Yeah, that's what it was. Remember when he pretended to be a spider texting you? <laughs> <laughs> that's the best one. That's the best one. Yeah, that was great. That yeah, was... Don't, worry, don't worry about Nick, it. Nick, Nick, please, please continue. Uh, okay, so uh, the Nazis here are uh, asking Marion for the medallion. She's kind of giving him the runaround. So he's like, Todd is like, we don't have time for this. Uh, quickly realizes that what needs, uh, what, what he feels needs to be done, and goes over and grabs a uh, uh, what, what do they call those things? The Stokers. Um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? From the fire yeah, poker. Fire poker. Poker. Fire, poker. fire poker. Thank you. Uh, and, it's, poker. and it is searing red hot. Uh, his intention here, of course, is to get the information out of her by uh, torturing her, which is not cool with Indy. And we get a great moment where as the, right before it's about to make contact, the whip grabs it and flicks it out of his hand. And Indy's there and all hell breaks loose. And of course, the, the poker starts a fire, which burns down the bar. Everyone dies except for Tot, who, who looks over and sees the medallion in the fire, tries to grab it. Uh, but it's Sears' hand, so hot, of course, so putting an imprint of uh, the front part of the medallion, not the back part of the medallion, which is important for later, uh, in his hand. He runs out, cools his hand in the snow, and then uh, leaves. And then Indy and Marion exit the bar as it's burning around behind them. And and uh, he was just like, look, I got the medallion now. We're all good. And she goes, oh, no, 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 you're not getting this from me until you give me the 5K you owe me. I'm your partner, damn it. Uh, and they're stuck with each other. So from that point on. Uh, they head over to Cairo where they meet up with Sala. Uh, shout out to John Reese Davies here, who uh, is amazing in this movie and also did all the VO for the ride, which I always love hearing. So you'll hear his voice like echoing through uh, as you're walking through a waiting in line. You know who uh, this is, also- right, Bless? John Reese Davies? No. What's he from? Uh, he played a little character called Gimli in the most uh, Oscar award winning franchise of all time, Lord of the Rings. Oh, and Mario. You probably know him better from the TV show Sliders. I love in which oh, Jerry O'Connell went through the different alternate realities, and it was a great show. Slider. I've not watched either of these. Man, things. I forgot about Jerry O'Connell. I love Blessing's disappointment when Andy led into Lord of the Rings. Like, oh. I was so excited because I was like, oh, maybe this is something I care about. And he said Lord of the Rings. I was like, oh, well. Uh, who cares about Swing a and a miss. franchises? Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also come with the world's smartest monkey, uh, who will later die from a bad date. Uh, the fruit, not the kind we all had before meeting our amazing wives who put up with our farts. Uh, Speaking Sala, of that, uh, we were doing the body count in the John Wick movies. Uh, the yeah. body count of this movie is 64, including the monkey. Oh, 11 no. at the hands of Indiana Jones. Oh. He kills a lot of people. A lot of people. Discri- <laughs> discriminately see he just shoots whoever he pleases uh with no repercussions uh let's see Sala tells indy that the nazis and belloc have found the map room but they have not found the location of the well of souls yet belloc is with them and he apparently knows his shit uh the uh the monkey rats out indy to the nazis and they attack him marion smashes a dude over the head with a pan uh, i love this great comedic beat from karen allen here too where she picks up the frying pan the guy picks up the knife she goes oh okay and then runs away uh but she gets kidnapped by the nazis uh, i hate the, the face p- that guy makes on the sand i hate that little, i love uh, i love them walk or uh, running like, running hey. into the dark room and then like hearing a smack and then him falling out the door falling out, it, it, it is head. so cartoonish i love it it, is. it, it really I mean, reminds me of uh of stage plays like being in in mm-hmm. theater in high school and Every play we had to do had to have a chase scene. It was like you have to have a chase scene in all of these children's like plays or whatever. And it just reminds you of that of just like people running in circles for comedic relief and then like a big guy walks into a room and then like he walks out scared of a little thing like the Scooby Doo. Yeah, it's then, like Scooby Doo. Yeah, this yeah. Like, three so people good. walk in run one room and then like two people run out and then like they go through different doors and all this yeah. shit. Yeah. It, it it goes back to that thing of it is very good serious action with hints of humor sprinkled in. Yeah. And that one got me. That one like when he when he fell down, I was like, okay, that's really funny. I really yeah. dug that. Yeah. You all, it also like echoes the sentiment of you guys saying this is a lot of this is like a silent film, like watching a classic silent film because that kind of comedy is straight out of like a Charlie Chaplin or Buster yep. Keaton movie. Um, anyway, so that's that's great. A fun scene, of course. This is the great, the best scene in the whole movie, Matt, where the the this giant man with his giant sword just like starts wielding it around and he just goes ah and takes his gun out and shoots him and then turns around, uh, which I think we all love. Uh, fun scene where Indy comes around the corner and everyone is carrying baskets, like the one that Marion's in. So he just starts knocking everyone's baskets down. To which I would play, hey, fuck you, dude. What's up with the monkey? Was it a Nazi monkey? 
Yeah. yeah. No, the monkey I think was just out for himself, man. Monkey's trying to make a dollar out there. It was like, he seems very adamant, smart ass monkey. Yeah. It, yeah, was okay. a, it was a Nazi sympathizer monkey, exactly. <laughs> it was like, maybe monkey down with the Nazis. It wasn't wearing the armband. You feel bad. It's you know, it's product of his environment. Some guy gets yeah. it. He's a mercenary. He'll work with Nazis. All this poor monkey knows is to work with this guy, and like they're like, this monkey is two to four weeks away from speaking English. You know what I mean? Like, this is a smart-ass monkey. <laughs> smart-ass monkey. Like, yeah. he's, like, fucking knows who the, There's a the different monkey the than the date monkey, right? No, same monkey. The same monkey. It's the same monkey. Because, yeah, yeah, because, because the, the monkey guy. betrays them, but he doesn't even know it. He comes back, and Indy's literally like, "All right, come on, monkey, that just screwed me over." He yeah, doesn't okay, know. that's what I thought. Because the monkey, the monkey, legit looked like it was trying to get the attention of the bad guys that are running in the other direction, and that's how they come back and find her. Yeah, but then, like the next scene, they're hanging out and they're all cool. I, I really like. There was actually a deleted scene where the the dead monkey, the dying monkey, is like, "Indy, get the close your eyes. <laughs> Don't open your eyes." <laughs> Dude, okay, okay. So, so going off this with this this monkey uh, sympathizer, I do want to introduce a new <laughs> podcast with a, a Nazi sympathizer, uh, a, a podcast within a podcast that I don't have a good name for, so I'm going to need some help here. You know, obviously, Nick Scarpino, if he is known for one thing, it's wigging out. But I do feel, Andy, like the last couple interviews, we've made a new revelation that's Andy or Nick's distaste of accents in movies, just period. Oh, wow. Right? So can not, we have? Not, so I, not, I want not, a podcast. Good accents. Distaste of when Americans try to do other accents. That's what I don't Ex- like. Exactly. Exactly. So Andy, can you hit me with a, a theme song and a name for this podcast? Oh th- yeah, thank you, Tim. For mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Here we go. Here we go, everybody. Nick doesn't like the accent. He hates it when they sound real fake. And Nick doesn't like the accent. Which accent is he gonna make? Welcome to Accents, more like Ascents with Nick Scarpino. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know what we're judging this on, Tim. So if you want to host this particular podcast <laughs> in a podcast, please do. Because I thought it was, it was Are you talking about John Reese davies playing somebody he should not be playing? Is that what you're talking about? I would, love, entire, I would this love. Entire cast, this entire cast is like people in makeup to them. make them look. Should we, yeah, should we, uh, we're looking for like, you know, uh, people, uh, people from Asia, like, you know, should we get some stunt people? No, no, no. We'll just get our stunt guys and make them up in a very weird makeup. Okay, great. Yeah. Thanks. I was gonna say, I'm yeah. surprised we didn't start with Alfred Molina. Cause yeah. I have no idea like who he was supposed to be playing. Where he was supposed to be playing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, don't, it's so I don't have that for you but i do have okay. something for you. there was a purpose for this i didn't just randomly bring it up all right so although the nazis speak german in many scenes most of the lines were dubbed for the german versions of the film because the actors spoke very very bad german with That's a hilarious. very strong american accent some lines were simply wrong <laughs> on the recent dvd release no german lines are wrong the majority of the german lines are spoken by native german speakers with a slight south german accent that they redubbed for it I just, I just love that this is finally the time they were just like, no, no, no this is bad. They gotta go, they gotta go watching, back and remake the movie. You're watching the original cut of this movie in, in Germany in like 1981. You're like, what the fuck? Like, how hard is it to get German right? Anyway, uh, Nick, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Here's a skit idea, okay? We do, we redub every Harrison Ford movie with Harrison Ford narrating over it. Like they did in the like really Blade bad Runner. Blade Runner cut. Yeah. Yeah. I'm down yeah. Really, really unenthused. And he didn't know that the robot was him all along. <laughs> like we gotta do that, man. I'm, I'm totally down for that. I love it. You gotta do. You you do a better Harrison Ford than I do. I don't, I don't think I've ever that tried was a to very do Harrison good, Ford. My life. Uh, it was a little bit like Mike from Breaking Bad, but it's okay. Yeah, everything's yeah. everything's a variation on that guy. Usually, is, uh, yeah. so you start. Uh, 
Back to Indy. Uh, he is now getting drunk because he accidentally killed Marion, uh, chasing the Nazis that had her. He blew up the car by accident, and he's like, oh, no, that's a big bummer. So he drinks a bunch, but then the Nazis catch up with him, and they take him to Belloc, who wants to use the Ark to talk to God. He's like, I don't care about these Nazis or their agenda. I want to talk to God. I think that's really cool. And he's like, I think you do care about the Indies. Uh, But Indy, and then Indy has a great line where he's like, he's like, I just want to, I want to talk to God. And he's like, I know a way you can get up close and personal with him. And he's like, I'm going to ice your ass right now. Of course, everyone in the bars on the take on Belloc's take, because they all bring out guns and he's got a gun. And then all of a sudden a group of kids come in sent by Sala to save him. And they escort him out of the bar. Um, they head to one of uh, Solo's old uh, acquaintances who helps them translate the inscription on the medallion. I think this is, again, is where we're supposed to get a little bit of that backstory of don't look at the freaking scary monsters that come out of the, the thing. Uh, the monkey's owner, of course, uh, blessing to your point earlier, the monkey's owner is there. The monkey has led, them, or he, led him to them, poisons the dates uh, that they're eating. Um, and as, after the guy inscribes what's on there, uh, which, which tells you the correct height for the staff, uh, upon which the medallion must be placed. They all decide to have a good old, just throw some dates up in the air, Greg. Now, I know, I, Greg, I know you and I got big mouths, so we're used to this. But I love taking things roughly the size of a golf ball, chucking it five feet up into the air and just trying to catch it in my throat, you know? Bad dates. Like and then, of course, Salah crabs it and goes bad dates because one of Anybody the else watch this thing of, like, Harrison Ford walking around Palm on this date and, like, it's just, like, every fucking covid yeah. germaphobe thing it's like oh god just eat it don't roll this around in your filthy hands there's a well, pandemic the Disgusting. thing is the thing i don't know if, have you guys ever had a date yeah i've had dates. a few nick i'm married hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on hold on good job greg thank you thank you <laughs> this is gonna be great <laughs> They're, they're I, I had a date tree in the back. I had a date tree in the back. <laughs> is all I was gonna say. They're sticky. Sticky or stinky? Oh, sticky. Sticky. Okay. Got it. Like it's not. I mean, I guess they're kind of smooth sometimes, but it's not the thing you want to be really rolling around <laughs> your hands. I, 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 I'm now thinking about the days that I've had, but once you bite into them, they get sticky. I, mean, I, I guess they're matter. smooth sometimes. <laughs> this whole scene made me nervous. This this whole scene, what I think was expertly done, aside from the fact that, yeah, one, that's disgusting, Harrison Ford. Like, just eat the thing. And then, uh, uh, two, you're going to choke if you just, like, throw it up in the air and catch it in your mouth. Yeah, aside right. from that stuff, uh, I thought it was excellently framed where you see him sneak in and just, like, see a random dude who you know is a bad guy just sneak in and pour just a bunch of liquid on these dates. And I was like, first of all, are they going to notice that the dates are wet and covered in poison? But, like, whatever. Oh, uh, when he grabs it and dates. they're, like, talk- when they're talking about this shit and he's just, like, going back and forth and is about to eat it, like, multiple times. Uh, and you're just, like, listening to this conversation while also being like, oh, he about to di- he's about to die. I thought that was just very excellently done. I was, I was enthralled. I was into it. Hey, yeah, I want him I to pick up, pick up the day and go, it's not sticky. <laughs> smooth Greg I'm sorry I, I, now I need to know the answer are dates sticky can you please google that for me as we keep on, I, sure. I, I swear they're sticky but maybe I'm wrong maybe I'm thinking figs no figs are smooth it doesn't matter uh, uh, of course during this when they're uh, translating uh, that, the, the stuff on the medallion uh, they sorry, have okay, access I have an immediate answer for you sorry yes, dates please. are also very sticky which makes yes. them useful as a binder in baked goods such as cookies and bars when were Thank dates invented wow Oh, I was dry. I wasn't it on like the third day God made him. I don't know, something like that. It's been, they've been around forever, man. <laughs> the third day. Um, of course, important important here is that uh, the the back of the, the medallion says take a couple of uh, the measurements off uh, to honor the Hebrew God, and which means to both of them, they're like, aha, Belak is looking at the wrong place. He didn't have the right. He doesn't have the right size stick. 
Tim, his stick is too short. No, it's too long. It's too short. Too long. Too long. It's too long. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I've been there. Sticky. <clears throat> And smooth at the same time. Uh, Sala and Indy head to the map room. Uh, music here is really, really cool. Uh, kind of, again, reminiscent of, of some of the... I think this might be the thing you're talking about, Tim, where this song reminds me of bah, that that one from mm-hmm. Star Trek or Star Wars. Uh, they head down there, and they have to wait till about 9 o'clock when the, in the morning when the sun hits. Uh, Indy figures out where to put it, and we get that crazy Superman 2 or Superman 3 laser sound effect. Yeah, yeah nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Uh, and then the whole place goes up in fire and blows up because apparently that the jewel that was in that thing creates a laser that can burn through the center of the Earth. Uh, but he figures out where they're really keeping the arc and so he and a crack uh, pot of pot, a crack group of diggers go up there and they dig all throughout the night. Uh, when they open it up, they look down and Sala asks the important question: Why is the floor moving? Mm-hmm. And that's where I'd be like, again, let him have it. Let him have it. <laughs> it's over. You know the Nazis; they want to work this hard for it. Let them. Exactly. Uh, they throw a torch down there, and it's just a room full of snakes. Uh, there's a lot of cobras in there, oh. and then Sala, of course, says asps, which are a very, very venomous snake. Uh, and then Indy asks the question to himself: Why did it have to be snakes? And I asked the same question too. Uh, as this is happening, as they lower themselves into that, Belloc interrogates, uh, interrogates Marion by uh, giving her a white dress, which I always thought was weird, uh, and that she tries on basically just to placate him. Uh, and then she tries to use her ex- extraordinary high tolerance to alcohol to escape, but it doesn't work uh, because apparently uh, Belloc is used to this liquor that came from his family vineyards. Uh, Indy jumps down and faces off with a cobra. This is another great scene where they actually did practically. Uh, by putting, if I'm not mistaken, a pane of glass between Indy and the Cobra. And so when he jumps down, the Cobra goes and like pops up. That's a real snake. And it's terrifying. Fuck all of this, dude. Just (laughs) terrible. All of this stuff sucks, man. Hated it. The worst Uh, part of the movie for me. I just had that tingly feeling, you know? Gross-ass feeling. Well... Uh, Marion then again uh, grabs a knife tries to escape but she is met again she she butts up against Tot who comes in and this I think is probably the funniest and creepiest scene altogether because he takes out what looks like this sort of like archaic like nunchuck torture device and then folds it into a hanger and the guy hangs this coat like all in one action and I was like that's Brilliant. Really, really good. It's really good. Really good. good. I really thought it was going to be some nunchucks. I was very excited. <laughs> it turned into a hanger. I was like, cool, you got me. He <laughs> really did. Uh, as uh, Indy and Sala remove the arc from its resting place with those poles, they take it over. Uh, Sala climbs up. They start hoisting it up. Uh, but morning has has come, and Belloc looks over and spots the dig over on the hill and goes, oh, shit, something's going down over there. Grabs all the troops. They head over. Uh, and then Indy looks up as the rope kind of comes down. And he's trapped, and Belloc is there, and he says, once again, what was briefly yours is now mine. Uh, But, hey, we don't want to leave you just by yourself. We're going to leave you with some company. And they throw Marion in as well. Um, And this whole scene has always gave me the heebie-jeebies, and I never, ever want to see a snake next to my my heels ever, Mm -mm. ever, Mm -hmm. uh, because Mm -hmm. of the scene. Uh, Indy sees some of the snakes going through the wall and thinks, oh, there's my sleeping on the other side of that. So he uses the giant statue, tips it over, and and goes right through the wall, uh, to which Marion runs in and then runs into a, a crypt with a bunch of corpses that scream at her. And I always thought the sound design here was a little heavy-handed, but it wore, it scared the shit it's out of me when I was a kid. scary as hell, though, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then from there, they head out to the airplane where we get the iconic fight between him and the giant bald... Uh, honestly, I don't know why I think, keep thinking this guy's Russian. He's definitely German. Um, the a fun fact about this plane, Tim, I don't know if you have it there, but it's not a real plane. Did no. You know, did you see that one? Yeah, they made this. They just made this thing up for this movie because they huh. wanted something that looked like that, apparently. And the pilot is producer Frank Marshall. 
Oh. And he was pissed after he took the job because he thought it was going to be a cameo and it ended up being like two or three days of shooting and he was stuck in that fucking hot cockpit the whole time. So <laughs> never again. Uh, this ends up with Marion uh, blowing the whole place up with a machine gun right after Indy tricked the guy into getting splattered against the landscape with one of the propellers. And this is the so most... So cool. Us, awesome scene and also incredibly cringy and, and horrible to watch when you were young. Uh, they spot Sala, who tells them that the Ark is being taken to Cairo by way of truck. Uh, Indy asks Sala to go back to Cairo with Marion and arrange travel back to England for them. I'm going after the truck. And Sala's like, how are you going to do that? And he's like, I have no, no idea. idea. But he goes after it with a, with a horse and we get uh, a great action sequence here, which... Um, I remember reading about when they talked about like all time greatest stunts, but in like the stunt person community and the one where he goes underneath the car is one of them. Um, I don't know if you guys want me to spoil this for you or not upon it. It's one of those things where I want to, I'll tell you a fact about it, but it's going to, you'll see it every single time now. Show it to me. I don't care. So they, in order to accomplish that, the space between him and the truck wasn't enough. So if you look closely, there's actually a trench dug out that the truck is driving over and which allows him to slide perfectly underneath it. And you can see it as it's, as, it, as the truck is moving. It's pretty cool. Oh, had to do that. Wow. So the stuntman actually did that stunt where he climbs underneath the truck and it was terrifying, but you can see, if you look close enough, you can see a little trench dug in. So it gives a little more space. Oh, um, oh that's course, really cool. Then he got dragged, which is cool. Um, all like that, that dude's back would just be destroyed, man. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Andy, yeah. this is why this is why people used to wear leather jackets back then. Am I wrong, yep. Greg? Mm. No matter how hot it was, they were wearing leather jackets to protect from that kind of stuff. Because everybody knows what was scary in the eighties: quicksand, quicksand, lasers, Being drug underneath a truck, lasers, children having children prematurely was always scary. Yeah, uh, and then of course Terrifying. anything that could penetrate, it couldn't penetrate a leather jacket was fine. So yeah. spiders were totally fine. Uh, <laughs> he runs everyone off the road uh, and takes the truck back to the ship. And you want to talk about movie? This movie keeps going on. This is the scene, Greg, I always forget is in this movie. I'm like, wait, yeah. they get on a ship? When the fuck yep. does that happen? Yep. It's weird. Uh, it, it definitely feels like they, not only could this have all been cut, it just seems like a weird choice for them to have more things to do here. It's weird. And, of course, uh, it's just an excuse to give him a touching scene with Marion where they could, you know, she can help knock him. Boots. Like, it could be tender. And of course, they're about to knock boots, but with more indie humor, he falls asleep. And she's like, ah, you can never get a break, can you? Uh, and I love the cut of him laying in the bed. And then the next morning, they immediately cut to her laying in the bed and him cocking the gun, like loading the, the handgun because the Nazis are there. And that's always really cool. Um, he looks out and sees that there's a U-boat that they chased him down with. And again, Indy, why don't you call America and see if they can ship something over to Cairo to help you out with this bad boy? Because you versus the Nazis is not... Something that I'm looking forward to here. Uh, he hides, and they take Marion captive. Um, Bellock's there, too. They grab the Ark, and they head over. Uh, and, of course, the Nazis can't find Dr. Jones. Uh, neither can the first mate of the ship, who reports back to the captain and says, I've looked everywhere. I can't find Indy. I don't know where he is. And the captain says, I know where he is. He's right there, and he looks over as the fucking theme kicks up, yep. and Indiana Jones is climbing out of the water onto the side of a German submarine to get into it. And it's Love my favorite it. scene this is in the an, whole movie. This is this another so one that's hilarious, right? Where, yeah, like, you, you f- check again. He's got to be there. I know where he is. Where? There. And he's just <laughs> out in the water. It's like another <laughs> thing of the humor. So and then good. they went all the way without ever submerging. Yeah. Uh, I think he, I, I like to believe he got in there somehow. And But I guess, oh, no, I guess he doesn't, right? Because when they pull in, yeah. they just pull into the port. He's yeah. still on the top of the thing. Uh, get another little fun bit of comedy here where he knocks out the world's smallest Nazi uh, and then can't close the thing. 
Uh, and, and then another Nazi comes up to him. But we don't even see that guy's face. He just punches him in the gut and then knees him in the face. And his hat pops up and he grabs it and puts it on his head. Walks out. And then, of course, uh, chases the, the caravan into the desert and holds them hostage with an RPG, uh, forcing Belloc to call his bluff. And he was like, dude, you don't want to see this thing destroyed. You want to see what's inside of it just as much as I do. And he's like, damn it, you're right. They get tied to a pole. Uh, Belloc starts the ritual. They open the thing up, reach in. It's just sand. Or is it? All of these beautiful ghosts start coming out and then immediately turn to a horror show and melt everyone's faces. And somehow Indiana Jones knows not look to look away, at him. Marian. Don't look at it, Marian. Look away. Would love and to the know guy- the direction, too. Because, like, when you watch this one and just focus on them, it's a lot of. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. You can just see Spielberg on the giant megaphone, like, shake more. I, without the, without without the special like, effects. Yeah. It's got to be like Empire <laughs> when they're in the giant space worm and how they did that was that they would pretend to fall while they just shook the camera to give that yeah, effect. You it. have to imagine like it was something like that where they must have felt like absolute idiots doing it in real time. Of course. Oh, yeah. but when Steven Spielberg tells you to, to that there's ghosts whipping around your face, you believe it. You go, this is my livelihood right sure. now. I got to make this happen. Well, it's uh, definitely they're like, hey, man, Harrison Ford's so good at just being like blind. So let's let's have him do that in Return of the Jedi. That'll be a great idea that everybody wants and is unanimously in love with. Great. No, great. It's not what happened. <laughs> man, they hit that thing hard and they were like, they fought, they shot that first act. And we're like, ditch out of this. Ditch out of it. <laughs> So you got to be able to pilot the Falcon. Um, uh, everyone gets their faces melted off except for Indy and Marion. And uh, then the whole thing gets sucked back into the arc and the lid pops right back on it like it's in reverse photography probably because it was. And they survive and they kiss. And we cut back over to Washington where the Army boys are with uh, Marcus. And guess what? Their promise, Greg, to put this thing in a museum, this unbelievably powerful relic that could destroy the world they go back on that promise and Indy is pissed. And he's like, we should put this in a museum where kids could potentially touch it and die. You know, like put it behind a rope. Like, don't, didn't it's you just tell us you, you heard a bunch <laughs> of people get eviscerated and sucked back into it. I don't know if we're going to put it out on display somewhere. Uh, he comes out pissed. Uh, or he says this thing, uh, this thing needs to be studied. It's, it's a powerful relic. It needs to be studied. And the army guy goes, we are going to study it. Don't you worry, Dr. Jones, we've put men on it. And he goes, what men? And he goes, top men, top men, which would, which became a, uh, I think that became a thing, yeah. Uh, and then he yeah, runs that's, out. That's probably the first the thing I heard first before even watching the movie back Top in the day. Yeah. yeah, I just heard that quote so many times. Uh, Indy, of course, finds Marion waiting for him outside on the steps. And he tells her the army people are fools and they don't know what they've got there. Uh, to which Marion replies, well, I know what I've got here. Uh, and they go off for a drink while, meanwhile, in an undisclosed location, a group of government meanwhile. workers put the ark in a crate and file it amongst thousands of other crates that are exactly like in a warehouse that seemingly goes on forever. The end. The end. By the way, this scene, the last scene was so haunting to me when I was a kid. I was like, oh my God, there's thousands of these things in there that are like super dangerous and scary. What are the, the it possibilities are endless. You know? Endless, man. We'll never see that warehouse again. Yeah, yeah, Andy. It sucks. Andy. Uh, seven syllable. Hold on, I'm trying to figure this thing out. I'm sorry. One See, this is what you're missing. <laughs> seven, si- you miss. seven syllables. Oh, hold on one second. Oh, God. Greg, seven syllables message. in the middle. You need five for the first and last line. If you're not poetic, no need to fret it. Haikus don't need to rhyme. Haiku in review. Haiku in review. <laughs> That's awesome. yeah, this is such a limp run button. Run. <laughs> <laughs> that was the wrong button. It was supposed to be. 
<laughs> I also, oh my god! I also uh, love that you can hear the key clicks with every time you hit any of the beats. It. Like, Shut amazing. the fuck up, bro! Don't do your the magic, dude. The, oh, magic. This, guy's, this dude. guy's this guy's breaking David Blaine's magic tricks on Fox. Remember that special? Jesus, dude. <laughs> You can go to patreon.com slash kind of funny to write your reviews in haiku form, just like Josh C did. There's a long one here. Too much to fit in in lines five, seven, and five. Please read all of mine. Nazi face melting. That's what they damn well deserve. Badass comeuppance. A perfect soundtrack with constant seller action. My number one film. Timeless piece of art. Classic tale of adventure. Search for lost treasure. Now, I will say that, again, haikus don't need to rhyme. I was about to say, are you still doing it? (laughs) Wasn't enough rhyme in there for me to, like, really give full credit. Adventure treasure, eh, it's a stretch, whatever. But shout out to your use of the word comeuppance in a haiku. Mm -hmm. That's good. (laughs) Very good. That's a hard one to fit in there. I did not. I did not know when you started the haiku. Like when you're in the when you're still in the instructions, I was like, oh, this is a strange one. And you get into it. I was like, oh, I think he started now. Man, if you were to ask well, me how many clear, sil- the instructions were a haiku. Too much okay, to fit well, in. That lines up. In lines five, seven, and five, please read all of mine, was a haiku. If you okay. were to ask that me how up. many syllables were in come up, I would have guessed six. Yep. Yeah, I was going to say, Andy, that's like half the syllables right there. You come up, up in your It's only three. three. But crazy. it seems like a lot more. <laughs> yeah, it's a long word. <laughs> a lot of vowels. Uh, Jackson Hampton says, those stinking Nazis. Crack that whip, Indiana. Face Correct, melting. Please classic joe mertens says i think i could watch the chase sequence on a loop fuck those nazis up and finally the last one grant burton says solos not in space so good it will melt your face Ah, that's good give this one first place oh first place yeah and obviously it's number one because that's how things go but before we get there make that decision it's ragu bagu time ragu Bagu, not as clean, not as clean as we need to. <laughs> no, <we're like> that. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to Rad Guys Talk Bad Guys, the podcast within a podcast, which we're lovingly calling Ragu Indie, where we rank the villains of the Indiana Jones cinematic oh, universe. We're, we rank the Indiana Jones. <laughs> the Indiana Jones. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, uh, Greg Miller, alongside Nick Scarpino, Andy Cortez, Hello. Blessing Eddie Jr., and Tim Geddes. Where do we want to put the Nazis <laughs> from Indiana Jones 1? One. One. So our number one. Are we rolling with the Nazis as a whole or like Tot? How are we doing? I would this? say Tot and Bellic. I would say Tot and Bellic are the main bad guys in this. Yeah, the Nazis are mm-hmm. more dressing to the whole thing. Yeah, this, I see the Nazis does like have named villains. Tot and Bellic. Okay. I Makes mean, well, me. yeah, I, I, I guess we put it at number one then. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah, it, yeah. it goes yeah. number one. And, and I'll say, like, I deserve number one. These bad. guys, sure, at the end of the day, they're just bad guys being bad guys, but they do that pretty well, and they, you know, do enough guy. things to allow Indy to have a lot of cool things to do, which is... Todd really is extremely creepy. Todd is creepy, yeah. Very oh, creepy. Belloc, like, Belloc and Todd... Ta- Todd is weird and creepy just in his presentation, I think. Belloc, I just feel like he's kind of a weirdo, where... You seem like a normal dude, except for the fact that for some reason you're working with Nazis, and then you're obsessed with Marianne and make her dress up and do all this shit that just... That, that's just weird. Well, he's French. Like, I, so that's true bonjour that makes sense <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> no but that is but i think that was the distinction they made right where they're like he's a french archaeologist he is like kind of a gun for hire on this so he's not aligned necessarily uh, ideologically with the nazis but he's still a creepy asshole he's like the monkey he's a sympathizer exactly mm. exactly yeah. Yeah. yeah we're not ranking the monkey here also i'd like to we're not clear 
on how bad he actually is. No monkey, a lot of gray area. A lot of gray area yeah. with the monkey. Also, I'd like to apologize to any native German speakers if I'm just slaughtering tot. I don't know if that's how you pronounce that at all. It's probably something else. But we'll see in the comments. Yeah. Tot. Exactly. Ragged. Fuck. Oh, you get, you get, you get a little big for your britches there. I love it. It's my fucking favorite thing. Uh, we are going to continue this beautiful show, kind of funny, in review with Baby Driver and next week, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which is just a great name. Fantastic name for a movie I can't wait to watch. Uh, until then, Blessing, thanks for joining us for your first and definitely not last in review. Andy, Greg, Nick, love you guys. Love doing the show with you. Love that we've done like over a hundred movies with crazy. God, that's insane. Right. Uh, But till next time, love you. Bye.